From grain to glass, this show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Bound. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. I am Brian. I'm Justin. And I'm Zeb. Zeb's here. And this is the I'm best here. beer show on the internet. There's several beards in the room. Oh, oh, you said beer show. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, also beard show, though. <laughs> I don't know what happened and to Justin's. I think he lost it in the mail. He didn't Velcro it on today. He lost it in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> I have a right. mustache, like wow, a fake mustache in the car you can put on. Dad jokes just keep getting worse. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I don't know what's happened to me. But before we get too deep here, uh, the American Homebrewers Association does less support home brewing and home brewers, and now they support us. During the AHA, we'll give you discounts at homebrew shops and select tap rooms, uh, as well as give you access to the fantastic Zymergy magazine. Click on the fur link at the bottom of our homepage and join today. And I believe uh, you get a dollar off your first pint if you're an AHA member at Hop and Barrel. And barrel. Yep. Um, speaking of, let's talk about our Black Belt patrons. Uh, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornson, Tyler Romanski, Hop and Barrel Brewing, Brian Bryanson, and Devin Stinson. <laughs> Uh, if you want to become a patron, head over to patreon.com slash blinderstudios and become a patron today. And when you're over at blinderstudios.com, uh, go ahead and click on the store link that have our homepage or head over to teespring.com slash store slash blinderstudios and check out our merch. Go buy some of that sweet, sweet merch. Mm, sweatpants. All right. Uh, we got kind of a full episode today, but uh, let's let's go around the room. Brian, what have you been up to beer-related lately? You know, uh, drinking this Maiden Maybach that we just released at the brewery. Uh, it's actually, perfect. and I think if we if we go back a couple of months, um, Katie was very excited about Maybachs uh, in December. Yes. Katie, speaking of, I, I don't, we probably haven't even addressed this, but um, Katie uh, is, I don't know, July is moving to... North, North Carolina, Carolina with her hot girlfriend, and she hasn't been doing the show lately because she's very busy. So I don't know. We'll uh, we'll see. Maybe we can get her back. For this a is few information episodes. I'm finding out right now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, oh. Um, yeah, we're not. I kind of figured. We're not. We're so, happy for yeah. her, obviously, but we're not super pumped because she's an asset, a huge asset to us, yep. and uh, does a great job and a great uh, friend. Yeah, well, yeah, that too. Oh, yeah. So, no, it'll be it'll be definitely that. sad to see her go, but. You know, she's moving on to good things. Stuff. Yeah. Other, other stuff. Other things. All right. Uh, Justin. Oh, I, I've been really uh, kind of digging a new beer we have coming up and working with uh, Nathan on packaging it this weekend. Uh, we have a sour IPA. Um, so I've been focusing a little more attention on that one. You know, Justin, like every time you come on, you keep throwing buzzwords at me like black IPA, black milkshake IPA. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't realize I was a beer tease. I'm sorry. No, no, it's fine. I'm you should see the shit. look on Zeb's face. He does not. He does look not at him. like it. Look at him. Well, they can see it through the camera. There. They can. Yeah. So he's, 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 <laughs> everyone can see it. Get a little closer. Well, once Zeb found out he was on camera, the amount of facial I, expression just magnified yeah. dramatically. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so what, what's this uh, Sour IPA? No, it, it's kind of been a pet project of mine. Um, Le Terroir from New Belgium has been one of my favorite beers for years. And this, I would say, is kind of an homage beer to that, uh, which isn't available anymore outside of their tap room. Okay. Um, but it's it's just a, a straightforward kettle sour, a little more subdued than than some of the, the uh, acidity we've been done, doing with the last couple. 
and 100% Amarillo added in some real unique ways. This oh, was wow. actually a quadruple dry hop and then a few different boil additions to draw. There's there's a couple beers we have that are dry hop more than two times. So yeah. you see DDH, it's like, yeah, well, whatever, and we do it four times. So. Well, we talked about that in the hop series. Like, he, different dry, and smaller, more frequent dry hops give you better flavors. Yes. But L- we, more contact with smaller amounts. Yep. But we, we focused very heavily on one hop and a, a simple base sour to just draw out everything we could and blend it really nicely. And it's, it's turned out great. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, all right. And Zeb. Uh, uh, yes, sir. This is your first time on the show. It is. Thank uh, you. Zeb is a, I want to say local musician. He is. Right? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what kind of music do you play, Zeb? Uh, it's a... Wide range. I mean, I, okay. I teach music too, so I have to have kind of pretty wide range of music. Oh, nice. But uh, playing wise, I mean, styles are more in that uh, southern rock to country kind of kind of thing. So yeah. Yep. And you're all, you're frequently playing at Hop and Barrel. I have some shows coming up in Hop and Barrel. Yeah, this summer, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, my full band, Firewater Gospel Choir, has a big show in uh, June coming up. So the big yeah. tent revival, big baby. Big tent revival. Yeah. yeah. So Hell yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to all those. But yeah. Yep. Awesome. Um. Yeah. Uh, have you been up to anything beer related? Uh, beer related. Just I, all I drink is Hop and Barrel. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that, it's, oh, it's not. It's not their show anymore. Oh, you can. <laughs> uh, in that case, then I mean, I, you're, you're I've dabbled in a lot of things. Yeah, you're lately. drinking the zombie dust right now, aren't you? Man? Uh, no, this is. Uh, I'm back at the Space Force. Oh, I'm back okay, at the Space right, Force. Right. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I drink is zombie dust. Right? Yeah, I mean I did. It was great. It was great. This is a delicious beer. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Beer related for me. Uh, the big thing, and this is. I feel like we're turning into a hop and barrel ad at this point. But uh, I was. <laughs> I was at uh, the Double IPA Festival, um, which you guys did something very cool um, that I have not seen a lot of breweries do, where you invited a lot of I for lack of a better word, local breweries uh, in to, like, have a double IPA or IPA on tap at your brewery um, so everybody can kind of get a taste of eastern Wisconsin or I guess Western Wisconsin no, yeah. flavor. <laughs> Sorry. We, yeah. Eastern Minnesota, Western Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm right. Directions yeah, yeah. are tough. Directions yeah, are tough. Yeah, it's very hard. Very hard. So, yeah, it, we don't do guest taps ever. But, you know, three and a half years in, well, rather, dude, it's supposed to be two and a half years. It was supposed to be last year we were going to yeah. try to do this Deepa Fest just kind of Ended up happening this year uh, and hit up literally every brewery around us. And it was interesting to find that a lot of them just don't make a double IPA, have not ever made a double IPA. And so there were a few of the breweries that, you know, was sort of like, oh, this is our first offering of this. And it was really neat. Um, We did some flights. Uh, There were two different flights that were created by the... the There were three. Oh, there were three. Yeah. Whoops. Well, there you go. Uh, There were three of them. (laughs) The the tap room kids uh, kind of put together, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, it was a fun time. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was, it was a blast. Um, yeah, so uh, check out uh, the Wine Studios Instagram. I shouted out all the breweries that were in it. Um, took some pictures, and yeah, so check that out. Um, yeah, so I did that. Um, besides that, it's just been like home brewing as normal. Uh, working through the rebrews of the uh, Every Style Challenge, and we'll get to that a little bit later uh, because we have a question at the end of the show about that. So speaking of the show, we should probably dive into that. Today we're going to be talking about lagering. Uh, specifically, if you guys listened, uh, it'll be two weeks ago now. Um, 
we we got into a little bit of a conversation about loggering, and then um, Mike uh, messaged in. I'd love to hear a little bit more about someone else's questions regarding uh, the fest beer. The once it's done lagering, it is just getting old thing that you guys said. Do you need to keep it on the yeast for that? Um, I think you said leaving it in the fermenter for extra months does wonders, so I'd assume that's the case. Um, what actually happens to the beer uh, science-wise during that time? And this got me thinking, like, because we also talked about tradition, and lagering is very tradition-based, and so what actually is happening scientifically when we're lagering? But before we get into that, what is lagering? I mean, Justin, Brian, you guys want to just like give a brief overview of what lagering is? Yeah, it's so you, you ferment the beer at a cold temperature, pull it off the yeast and put it in a tank and let it sit. And whatever residual yeast is in there will go through a biochemical and, uh, and, or, or and a mechanical process and it'll kind of clean it up. Um, until you have actually lagered a beer and tasted it along the way, it's very hard to understand how drastic that change can be. And I would, I would say that one of the keys is that is the process before filtering and packaging. Mm-hmm. So it's aging, you've taken off the yeast cake, but there's still residual activity going on at a, a colder and I, that was the, there was a finger quotes there, temperature than you'd expect normal fermentation. Well, so, all right, so what, what kind of temperatures are, you said colder or cold, like what kind of temperature range are we talking about here? It One, it depends on the yeast strain. Um, traditional methods would vary depending on whether you're talking lagering in Germany or, um, you know, England. But then there's modern takes on some of those, like the Narzis method we were kind of touching a little bit before, which is sort of a, a flash cold, and then you ramp it up quick and let the yeast kind of rise. Um, so typically, you're looking at upper 40s, lower 50s for, mm-hmm. for lagering temps. Yeah. And that's the extended aging. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that, which is, this is different than your, your fermentation plan. Um, yeah. So you would usually ferment around the 50s, mm-hmm. do a rise up for your diacetyl rest, yep. bring down um, into that 40s range for your extended lockering. Yep, and then let it sit for as long as, I mean, as a home so, brewer, this is the cool part about home brewing is that you can afford to let this beer sit in lager for three months. Well, at a brewery, it's, you know, you're just losing money. But I think a lot of this, it, it's also important to remember the history of where lagering came about. You're mm-hmm. talking about beers that were put in caves. in caves during the fall to sit during a winter and that w- this was more of a matter of preservation than a matter of this is how we want this beer to taste come spring. Well, we have a uh, little bit of a local connection with that with the Casanova beer caves. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. True. There's, yeah, like we can, we can literally go to downtown Hudson and see where a brewery would shove their beer for. Yeah, they open the, well, you know, because COVID, blah, blah, but they open those caves up for the festival when, you know, when it's. Mm-hmm appropriate so uh really cool to see those oh it's awesome yeah. and on a rainy day you hope you're one of the breweries inside of there right on <laughs> yep uh well that's why they put all the uh distributors on the outside uh <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of touched on like the lager yeah piece, but so the te- um so I guess I guess part of that is so forty like when we once we hit start hitting like the lower forties upper thirties like we start getting in there like isn't the yeast dormant? Uh, not necessarily. No, it depends on like the the yeast strain. Like we just like yeah, like we said. 
But yeah, so I, I but um all right, so let's let's talk about well the yeast isn't dormant, like we have a bi- we have biochemical processes happening to the beer that will drastically impact the flavor of mm-hmm. said beer. Right. So these biochemical processes, they will for, first and foremost reduce acetic and lactic acid into fruity esters, which is kind of the cornerstone of a, a good lager. Uh, residual acetaldehyde can be reduced by about 20 to 70%. Yeah, uh, and acetaldehyde <laughs> is uh, what flavor? Well, it's uh, apple. Green apple. That's why beer should never taste like apples. <laughs> I'm drawing a line. I'm How do you like them I'm apples? <laughs> I mean, why do you think there are no apple beers? It, I bet, because I, cider, right? I mean, I mean but, there, but there are. But oh, oh, right. oh, yeah. Oh, are there? <laughs> I mean,. Are they any good? No. Yeah. So <laughs> Justin drew a line, dude. He's made a line. He's not going to cross it, but he'll make, you know, other beers like black IPAs. <laughs> so in, anyway, uh, we'll do a diacetyl rest on a lager t- in order to make it not. Um, not as much diacetyl or like, well, so to try, try to reduce it. Yeah, because like you have all those precursors in there and like diacetyl is a byproduct of fermentation, Mm -hmm. no matter what. And like you're trying to reduce as much as possible and an extended lager um, like that's one of the biochemical processes is it gives it more time, more time for the yeast to break that down. Well, how do I always put it like yeast cells? Some they can only like think about it as a human only has two hands. I can only hold two beers. But if I want a third beer, I have to put down (laughs) one beer and pick up another beer. Yep. And I drink that and then I put the glass outside of the cell. And so we're talking about like the yeast has to pull some stuff in, do some stuff to it, push it back out. And that's that's the diacetyl situation. Um, But in this case for lagering, diacetyl is reduced to acetoin, which is also another fruity flavored like compound. So Mm -hmm. with lager, that's just fruit, fruity, fruity, fruity. Um, And then last piece is, you know, if you look at how. Uh, in mashing, how sugar chains are broken down by the conversion, we, we're going to have residual malt, maltose. Um, maltose and maltotriose. Yep, and those are the longer chains. And so this residual, these residuals are reduced by up to 50% with extended lagering. Which gives you that crisp lager flavor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when, when we're talking about crispness, we're talking about like that... And and it's so hard to say with like words, like because you know you know what what I say, like oh a crisp lager, but it's like it's it's very dry on the tongue. Yeah. So this is like your attenuation piece. So yep. if if these if this residual maltose is being metabolized, then well we're gonna have less of a sweeter body. Which is why like you don't get that crispness with ales because they don't have that extended aging, um, and so usually you end up with a lot of maltose still left in the beer. Which is why they have like that softer, rounder sweetness mm-hmm. than a lager does. Got it. All right, and then let's talk about mechanical processes. All right, mechanical processes. So this is going to pr- uh, promote. So these are uh, yeast independent. So, right. um, like, kind of when, when we get when we get past this, um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a few other things. So just kind of like. In your mind, keep these separate. Like these are independent. These are more temperature varied. I would say. Good preface. Uh, but so these mechanical processes uh, it is going to promote the precipitation of these larger chain proteins, um, like tannin, for example. So now with wine, obviously we know what tannin is. It's you know uh, not acceptable in beer. Um, I know Zeb likes a lot of wine over there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wine coolers. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Zeb loves his tan. Seagram. I mean, if, if, if it's watermelon, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, but also, also things like uh, that that cause chill haze, and uh, like these these longer chain proteins that are usually formed um, either in the mash or in the kettle. Like they're they're formed hot side, uh, where like we and like they just kind of go in solution and they make like a cloudy beer, and so they'll precipitate and fall out. Got it. So slowly dissipating CO2 is going to scrub some unpleasant flavors as well. So like your sulfur dioxide, which is like basically just these kind of these green beer flavors. And I don't, you know, I don't mean um, like green apple. St. Patrick's Day beer. Green. I, I just mean <laughs> green as in young, younger <laughs> beer. Uh, so the sulfur dioxide is one of them that'll get scrubbed. Dimethyl sulfide, which is absolutely like it, D or DMS, as we put it, is uh, definitely uh, like that vegetable cooked corn. It, people perceive these things differently. Cream so. corn, so bad. Well, yeah, I mean, like some one person it might be rotten vegetable, one person might be cream corn, and Zeb loves cream corn. I've seen not in your beer, potatoes. though. No, 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 no. <laughs> See, <laughs> that's where I don't proving like the it. point. That's, yeah, yeah, you got <laughs> can of corn. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, your hop-derived mercaptan or skunk-like flavors, which are going to pop out in new beers that are in the tank that people are taste off the bright mm-hmm. uh, and um, uh, mistake I, I, for I, I other kinda flavors. I kind of thought this one might hit a little close to home It did, today. and, and that's, that's all I have to say about that. So, yeah, it'll scrub unpleasant flavors and certainly will um, not be in the beer for the, the life of it. So, yes. All right, so that's like that, that's what happens during lagering. So it's a lot of stuff. Like a lot of these things are occurring while, in in our minds, all we're doing is dropping the temperature down, mm-hmm. right? Like yep. we're doing this. So like then, like the most common thing that pops up is why can't we just lager in bottles? Um, and the biggest thing I see here is because even if you're your bo- if your bottle conditioning, you're still going to have the trace amounts of yeast in suspension. Maybe not in the quantities that you need, which is why like having it all in one vessel is better. But the biggest thing I see is lagering is done on carbonated, and so you don't have that slowly dissipating CO2 scrubbing things out of solution. Everything's captured in a pressure sealed vessel. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you went over all that. Yeah. Uh, lagering is done uncarbonated. Um, it, it, it'll make its own CO2 as it is. So, yeah, Justin, anything on that? No, I, I mean, the second you've... You made a face. No, I, I, <laughs> I was looking at everyone's faces and making faces. Mm-hmm. Not well, mine. If, if you're talking like a traditional packaging method for lagering, you're going to filter it and then throw it in a bottle and add a bunch more CO2 to it. And at that point, you're killing any residual yeast you have that would be doing the scrubbing process or cleaning things up. But like at at a homebrew level. Even then. I I still think even then. You even, even if you're bottle conditioning, but then you're moving the beer to another thing. You're getting it one more level off the yeast or adding in sugars. But how, how is that any different than moving into a secondary vessel off of the yeast cake and letting it sit in the fridge cold? Well, so if you're homebrewing, you're either going to put it in a tank and add a bunch of CO2 to pressurize it and add and bring that, bring that level up even more. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to add some sugars in and prime in the bottle. But either way, you're creating another chemical reaction going on versus the natural one that's been occurring since the yeast was fermenting. So now you're throwing other things in there that are 
offsetting this delicate balance you have, and it's going to stop this process. So you're you're no longer aging the beer; you're conditioning it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And conditioning it will get rid of those hop drive captain skunk like flavors. <laughs> <clears throat> right. So, so moving on. All right. So I guess like there, there, there's there's a few unanswered questions here. Um, and uh, I guess so the, the first one that I kind of want to hit on, and maybe we've already answered this, is so so once we hit the near freezing lager times, the yeast should be dormant. Like because if if you start reading things online, they'll be like, oh well, bring your bring your beer as cold as possible without freezing to lager at. So bring it down to thirty six, thirty eight. And then most of your yeast is dormant, and then you're not really getting this. So would you guys recommend, like, not dropping below, like, 42 to make sure that your yeast is still I mean, uh, active? Strain dependent. Well, yeah. That was my first comment was going to be, look at the strain you're using. And two, look at your resources. I mean. So, but, like, when you, when you look at a strain of, like, so homebrewer going into the shop, it has an active range usually of... 50 degrees to, like, or, like, an ideal range is the only temperature range they give you. Yeah. And so besides, um, like, shooting in the dark and just kind of guessing, like, is there a ballpark range that you guys would say, like, to try first? I mean, even if you're talking, uh, if, if you look at the ideal range of most lager strains, I wouldn't be worried if you're still five degrees above the lowest number on that range well so like but in that, in that working range like like for fermentation you went you would want to be like 54 55 right right yeah. um but like but then you drop way lower for lagering how low do you go i think that's more just what you have available if you can get it a degree or two below that range you're going to be lagering at that point Think okay. about it. But what, so, but like, so I have a glycol system. I could freeze my beer into a block of ice okay, if I so wanted to. This also gets into whether you're transferring to secondary or you just keep everything in a. Pri- I, I was, you know, when I was homebrewing more, I was very much. I, I stopped transferring a lot, even with my loggers. I would just drop and control the temperature because I built the, you know. Well, also on the size that we're working with, the tall assist really isn't a thing we have to worry about. No, so no, I, I not. totally ignoring that. I yep. didn't care about that. But it it really comes down to if you're keeping in a primary. You probably want to get a little colder than if you're transferring to a secondary. You probably have a little more forgiveness and don't have to get it as cold because you've dropped out a lot of those those yeast cells already. Okay. But I don't have a hard number that you're looking for. I know on an answer here, but I... I, uh, I, I okay, just, a hard number... Not necessarily a hard number, but like, well, a, a, I guess a range. 46. Or a rule of don't go below 46. Okay. Yeah. I don't I, think, I think don't. about it. Like, what, how, how, like, let's listen to our history that we talked about before. We have this beer in a cave. A cave's not going to get to freezing. They never do. And that's why that worked to do lagering. So I would say, when I, I just did a quick Google, your, your lower temperatures are on, on these lager strains are like 46. But I mean, is there a margin of error built in? To this for user uh, friendliness, probably. Um, I don't know that this is the beauty of this hobby and the beauty of being able to do this on such a small level. I don't know. It says forty six. Put it at forty five. See what happens. You know, mm-hmm. you, you you lost twenty bucks or whatever it is right. for a batch these days. You know. But no, I, I would say anyone who says you need to get into the lower forties or thirties, it's it's not worth the energy of of having the capability to do that in the first place. I, I don't think your beer is going to benefit. Mm-mm. I'd say this 3470. Unless you're cold crashing to push everything. Well, right. I mean, that's that's a completely different thing. That's not lagering. Yeah. Talk about the fermentation plan or the Narza's method and all that. But 
Yeah, I, you know, this 3470 that we, our main Safflager yeast, Weinstefan in uh, German strain, in my opinion, best one out there. Versatile, not too farty, um, works well with a diacetyl rest. Um, you know, 46, 48 is what they say. So, <laughs> what was going on over there? Uh, fart, wait, we're. Oh, Zeb made the the uh, the universal fart hand signal. Right. So this this <laughs> this uh, this the second one, I feel like you guys will have a lot of opinions about, and I'm very mm. curious to hear them. Mm-hmm. So, in theory, could you speed up the lagering process by bubbling CO2 through the finished beer once it hits that colder temp, and then bottle to age it? Oh my gosh. Who asked us? Who asked us this question? I did. You did. God damn it! Oh, you should have. And I, 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 I wrote. I wrote, I, I wrote this. Uh, um, I, I mean, I wrote this this morning, and I sent you guys the notes. So I don't. <laughs> I, I mean, I got it. I mean, I got right, it. Thanks, what, Zeb. what do you think, Zeb? man? What do you think? Uh, can you ask a question one more time? So, <laughs> yeah. Do it, so do, uh, do it more in like a layman's terms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so in layman's terms, um, what do you think Justin and Brian would say when I say, "Could you uh, speed the lager process by bubbling CO two through the finished beer once it hits temps and bottle to age at that point?" Uh, no. <laughs> huh? I. I'm sorry. Uh, that no, no, that, that works. I mean, yeah. that's I, no. I, I mean, it's it's, but it's it's it is something that has come up in the past. Um, even just in past discussions with, uh, like that I've heard. I don't. About I don't know. Pushing Maybe. pushing CO two through a finished beer to try to drive off some off flavors that you don't want, and if it's happening slowly during a traditional like lagering thing, like could you speed that up? I'm gonna agree with Seb. Yeah, I'm gonna go. No, no. It, like think think about it this way. Like, what is the CO2 gonna do? Is it gonna go up to the the, you know, the diacetyl and, hit and say, hey, go go in back in the yeast cell? Wait, like, I don't. Does it? We're not. There, no, but look look at the mechanical process. We're not yeah. talking about diacetyl. We're no. talking about sulfur dioxide, uh, dimethyl sulfide, and hop hop derive uh, per captain. Touche. Yeah. But I think you have to take a step back. Of that's that's only half of it. Part of yep. this is like a traditional method that took time and. None of this. None of the things we're worried about for the flavor were what they were what they cared so, about when this was going on. So here's 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 my caveat to that. Then at the homebrew level, if I have the ability to bubble CO two through my fermenter, right, to do the mechanical process, could I put it in a keg under pressure um, to wait for the bio uh, the biochemical process? So you'd bubble CO2 at a warm temp and then... Well, not, not necessarily a warm temp. Maybe a lager temp for, like, bring, bring it down so it's cold so the CO2 will stay in suspension longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll absorb more of the CO2, but then transfer it into a keg after a day of maybe bubbling, like, let's say, one and a half PSI through it. And then... So you're still get you're still you have the capability of lagering. Yeah, but, but you want you want that fermenter space. Okay, so instead of holding it there for a week or two, you bubble CO two to try to cut that to a day or two. To a day or two, and then you move it into a keg, and then your fermenter's free, Jeez. and then you lager in the keg. Sounds good on paper. Somebody I am actually it. no, that's a uh, yeah, actually that's a really good question. I'm I'm curious. Sounds really, good on paper. Really curious, actually. I'll try it if you buy it. <laughs> 
I mean, I, 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 on a base level, you're getting increased surface area of whatever reactions are going on. Yeah, any any increase in substrate works great. But why this, think about it this way? Beech wood aged. Like, why do they put the beech wood chips in there? Uh, the sub- for the substrate, more substrate to show they used to play on. Well, um, well, yeah, but it's, but you're also adding CO. So counter to that, though, you're adding CO2, which could actually kill anything that yeast is doing too. So you're increasing surface possible, area, yeah. you're increasing the potential catalyst for that reaction, mm-hmm. but you're also adding a um, you're adding a substance that could kill any of those reactions at the same time. Yeah, but at, at the same time, everything right now is uh, anaerobic anyway. So that's a good point. I mean, there's still. I mean, but yeah, but you're still but adding more we, oxygen. Are we so off it's anaerobic, this? But we're not adding more oxygen. We're adding. No, no, we're only adding CO2. Well, still has oxygen. No, no, but it's but it's bound. Like that's not getting unbound. And this has a blow off. And this that has a blow off. Okay. It, it has a blow I off. Mean, so, so you're not carbonating. You're just bubbling through. Yeah. Somebody wow, should. Somebody, this one somebody should uh, do this an experiment on a small level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not doing it. Not us. Um, <laughs> Zeb can do it. I mean, I'll try. I mean, we'll, get, we'll get you set up. I Zeb. don't have a lot of things going on right now. Right on. <laughs> no, because then, because if, if you're doing it at that point, and then you, um, especially at the homebrew level where you have your entire volume in a keg, yeah. where no, I, you're I not. It. It's yeah. really intriguing, actually. Yeah, fun. I don't know. Bjorn, what do you think? <laughs> all, right, all right, so <laughs> I, I, I think I think we took we took the logger uh, discussion I, kind of as far as I was just going to say. Are, are you are you saying is it cooler to like climb the mountain or take the helicopter to the top of the mountain? Well, and that process is that both, dude. Wow, that's, that's no, but that's that's a really that, good question. Is that what um, you're saying? Like, you want it faster, or you want it, like I, I, was, that's yeah. what I was trying to figure out from the layman's term what you're yeah no i mean and that's that's exactly what we're talking about here is a lot of this is homebrew is trying to figure out how to take the helicopter yeah Mm -hmm. that was a very Um, very adroit observation but also at at the at this like with with the with the same breath taking the helicopter is the way that production breweries want to go because then they have more tank space yeah sure okay tank's empty we're losing money he's trying to convince us to try it He's trying to convince us to be on the podcast all the time, and he has succeeded. (laughs) 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 It's fun. I'll be here next week. All right. All right. (laughs) All right. Uh, So we have we have we have one more question. Uh, One. uh, So we're going to wrap up the show with a listener mail, and this is also from Mike. Um, Just listened to the episode today and noted that you rebrewed the tropical stout from the Everstyle Challenge. Did you make any changes to the recipe? I looked up the recipe on your website, listened to the ESC episode, and noticed you you changed a half pound brown sugar uh, for turbinado. Hoping to brew my own here very soon. Other quick question. I'm looking to upgrade my kettle to be able to full volume uh, brew in a bag mash. I have an eight eight and a half gallon kettle. Would you advise going 10 or 14 to 15 gallon kettle? As always, thank you for the shows. Uh, for the first uh, for the first part here, I did make a change. I swapped the turbinado for all brown sugar because it's what I had in my cupboard. Yeah, there is definitely a difference between turbinado and brown sugar. Yeah, I, I get, like, especially dark brown sugar, I get a much better molasses character from. Yes. Um, and when you want some of that, like, that rummy note, um, in, especially in this beer, always go for the dark brown. It's kind of what I've learned. Um, the turbinado, like, like doing the half and half was nice, uh, but I, I, again, it's what I had in my cupboard, so I just went through it. Yeah. So the the difference between the sugars is like one is, I don't know, more more refined or like more minimally processed, 
in a sense. And so yep. when you're thinking about sending these sugars into the mix and that the yeast are going to be eating them right away, it's the stuff that didn't get processed as much is going to just give you a different flavor. Well, like, it's like demerara it, sugar or turbinado, stuff like that, like brown sugar. It, on, honestly, like instead of swapping that, I would try doing half brown sugar and find some blackstrap molasses and add that in. Well, yeah, because when they are refining turbinado, like that's when the molasses content yeah. gets pulled out. And that even further down the line is how it gets processed into white sugar. So at this point, the molasses gets added back to the white sugar in a sense to make it brown. brown sugar. Yeah. So it's kind of like flour. You take out all the shit of the flour, but then you got to enrich it and put it back in. It's stupid. So we're Weirdly enough, with sugars, the fancier the name, the fancier it actually is. <laughs> well, your last name's Turbeast. You're pretty fancy. I'm very fancy. <laughs> fancy man. But to act, to answer your question on the kettles, I would always go for the bigger size. Yes. 100% always. 100%. Yeah. Oh, well, especially if you're trying to do full volume mashes. We at the what brewery it, bought 15 barrel brew house, but I had them make it bigger so it was 18.9. So whatever significant other you're trying to justify this to, go for the 15, 14 to 15. <laughs> Baby, the beer will be much better. Oh, also, his, uh, he, he <laughs> well, did, no, no, but joking he, is, uh, I mean, all joking aside, he did make a note on his last email that his he does force his wife to listen to this show. <laughs> oh, crap. So, so this is, I'm but, sorry, this is okay. lis- listener Mike. Yeah. Mrs. But, Mrs. Mike, listen, <laughs> listen to us. We are experts. We are not trying to push your husband in the wrong direction. Yeah, he's the 20 we gallon. We're trying to push you in the right God. direction. But, okay. <laughs> Zeb, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. The, not? Uh, if I had like the perfect like Marvin Gaye, like, bow, 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 just like it gives in there. Like, <laughs> yep. Beer and, right. beer and babes, man. That's Joking about that aside, it, it's just going to give you more versatility. <laughs> if you if you upgrade a little, and look, you're you're probably talking like a fifty dollar difference between kettles yeah. at this point. It's you're very, going very to be it. happier going for the larger kettle and Agreed. having the ability to not worry about it'll just be better to go and have the extra volume that you don't use versus topping everything off and having it mm-hmm. heavy or boiling Well, and then the, the problems that can come with topping stuff off and, you know. Well, and it also gives you room to expand. No, and, and you're clearly talking a mash ton. So, mm-hmm. you know, it'll yeah. give you the ability to do a little stronger beers or try new things or play around with it. Um, you'll be happier going for the bigger kettle and being sat there yeah. than buying another one that in a year you're going to wish you had something different. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm running into that right now. With, uh, with, with your, my electric with, system, yeah. I wish I had gone bigger. It's a slick system. But, it's really cool, yeah. but I wish I could do like full volume mashes in it. Mm-hmm. Listen, girl, I'm gonna tell you about <laughs> kettles. <laughs> <laughs> Who's, whose voice is that? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't, really you went, let's let's not do that one go? again. Yeah. Hello, Zeb. <laughs> yeah. So on that note. <laughs> Hey, guys, uh, thanks for listening this week. I hope you had a good time because I know we had a blast. If you have any questions, comments, show ideas, what have you, go ahead and shoot us an email at feedback at blinderstudios.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blinderstudios or follow us on Twitter at blinderscoreninja. You can also find us on Instagram at blindinderstudios. And we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.